What's up, guys? My name is Barn Saunders, and you're listening to the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And on this podcast, we will be talking about recovery in the broadest, most general sense possible. Recovery is so much more than just getting over something. Whether that be drugs, loss, physical injury, or mental health, the principles of recovery can be applied to all areas of life. And in this podcast, we're going to be focusing on everything and anything that can cause struggles in life or cause great success in life, and how to navigate through the good and the bad times, as well as getting on the path of recovery from any and all setbacks or choices that may have led you down the wrong path. Another thing I want to emphasize is recovery is a constant progression forward. And what that means is recovery doesn't ever end. You can recover from something and then always fall right back to where you were. That's why in recovery, and especially here on the Sunday Recovery Podcast, you won't hear us talk about how to recover and be finished. Recovery is always pushing forward and striving for betterment, even when the original reason for starting recovery is no longer a factor in your daily life. What's going on, guys? want to say thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen this week. Welcome back to the Sunday Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Barn Saunders, and I really want to say thanks uh, to all the feedback that I've been getting from you guys throughout the duration of Season 2. Um, season 2 has been going phenomenally well. It's gone above and beyond my expectations, um, and it's been a ton of fun, man. I've absolutely loved all the guests that we've had on. And I was actually just talking to a friend of mine about it last night. You know, he's telling me how he tunes in and listens every Sunday and, you know, throws the podcast on when he's at the gym doing his workouts. And it's amazing to, to hear stuff like that. So that being said, got a little short episode for you guys this week. And then coming up over the next probably three to five weeks, going to have about, you know, three to five more episodes here on season two. Then we're going to wrap things up and more things planned for season three, man. I'm super pumped for it. I'm working on uh, getting a new microphone, upgrading my little, uh, you know, home studio setup I got going. And I really want to be pairing video as well. Um, So I'm looking into either getting a new phone or new camera to be able to set that up, um, start posting vids on YouTube as well. So looking forward to all of that and excited to see where we can go. Um, So without out of the way, this week's episode is going to be on a topic that I've really wanted to cover on the pod, and so I'm glad I'm finally getting around to covering it, but this week's topic is triggers, and triggers in recovery, going to go over, you know, my experience with triggers, going to go over defining triggers, you know, the importance of knowing your triggers, being aware of them, how to avoid triggers, and as well as the importance, of course, of avoiding triggers when possible, I'm also going to discuss, you know, some tips and tools and advice and suggestions that have been given to me from my predecessors in recovery, you know, things I've learned and picked up over these past two years on what to do when faced with triggers. Um, It's also super important for me to, you know, remind myself sometimes that, you know, triggers are natural and it's okay. You know, for me, I use substances for the majority, the vast majority of my life. So it's only natural that today, even with two years clean, I'm still every once in a while going to be hit with the trigger. Um, sometimes they'll come up when I least expect them, um, but it's natural and it's and it's okay. So, 
You know, I also want to discuss today how, uh, you know, I used to look at triggers like, okay, I need to, you know, just ignore them. Um, whereas I've learned that the more I ignore triggers, sometimes they can sneak up on me. And then, you know, once again, they hit me when I least expect them. You know, if I've been pushing something away for so long, you know, kind of just telling myself like, you know, oh, it doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not triggered by that. It's no issue at all. You know, if I just continue ignoring it rather than facing it and getting honest about it, you know, that's that's a way to to approach it in a more, uh, you know, a more proactive way, I guess, is is what you could say. Um, but also going to cover, you know, the importance of leaving situations, even when it may be hard and you feel, you know, you may feel obligated to stay, may feel like you made a commitment to show up for someone. But then if you're in a situation where you get triggered, you know, it's important to know when to leave. Um, and that's something for me that is, you know, it's been hard in, in my experience as well. So I'm going to want to go over that as well as helping others get through their triggers and then realizing that new triggers will come about. No matter what you do, no matter how long you stay clean, it is okay. So for me, kind of to jump right into it, the way that I have come to view triggers in recovery is kind of like reminders, right? Um, the way I like to describe it to, to people that may not um, be familiar with the topic is that triggers are really just reminders that they can put me in a mental and emotional place, um, kind of a distress um, you know, feeling kind of almost, it's almost like an itchy sensation. It could lead to pain, anger, frustration. It could, you know, lead to other emotions coming up. Um, but it's often some sort of internal or external reminder, um, right? Something that causes me to then causes me to get some cravings of maybe I want to use substances, um, and it can be people, it can be places, it can be situations, Sometimes it can even be a song for me. You know, all of these things are, are good examples of me. For me, a, a big trigger of mine, um, for, for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't know what it is. But, well, I mean, I know what it is because it looks, you know, it looks kind of uh, refreshing, right? Is when I'm in, I'll be in like a corner store, a gas station or a grocery store and I'll see like just, just the beer, right? Like looking at the liquor doesn't really... Uh, trigger me too much it used to for sure in in my early recovery but now it's just a beer right because I can look at the beer and you know it'll it'll cause something inside of me to kind of trigger this uh, you know this thought process right of damn that beer sitting in the fridge you know it looks so cold right there I could just grab you know a six pack you know just drink like one or two beers right now and I'll I'd be fine right like nothing too crazy whatever happened from one to two beers and and the reality is nothing too crazy has ever happened from drinking one or two beers in my own personal experience. The thing is, I've never just drank in one or two beers. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's important for me to, you know, always remind myself of that and, and play the tape through. Um, but that's just one example, you know, I'll get triggered sometimes by music, um, other situations, right? Being around places where I used to get high, you know, even being around people that I used to get high with. It can be a really big trigger for me, and I've heard very similar experiences with, uh, you know, with other people in recovery. So, keeping in mind that uh, that idea and, and that definition of what triggers are, you know, it's super important for me in recovery to know and be aware of my triggers, right? They're going to be different for everyone. I've heard of all sorts of, you know, kind of 
bizarre triggers for, uh, you know, for my friends in recovery that I, you know, may not have experienced it for myself, but I can always relate to it uh, because I have some weird ones for myself. You know, uh, for me, skiing could even be a trigger. Um, you know, I've been doing much better with it now, but I remember the first, uh, the first ski trip I went on after, you know, when I, when I first got clean, um, it was a big trigger, right? Because I, I, in my mind, I associate skiing with partying. Um, you know, just it's what I always did. You know, I would always smoke weed. I would always drink, you know, I would do, I'd even skied while I was tripping acid one time. Um, so, you know, that first time going on a ski trip after I got clean, it was definitely triggering at first, you know, the first couple of days I was just thinking about weed, like, damn, it'd be nice to, you know, smoke a joint right now on this chairlift. You know, I heard, uh, one of, one of my friends in recovery was telling me how they can, they can sometimes even get triggered walking outside and, you know, like a nice breeze. So, you know, my buddy, my buddy was telling me, I, I had him on the pod and, and we were talking about it and he said, you know, man, like getting high would make this breeze feel so much breezier right now. So, you know, it, it can be the smallest things sometimes, but for me, it's really important to acknowledge and be aware of my triggers. Um, definitely a big one for me. And probably one of the hardest ones for me is, you know, hanging out and, and being around people who, who I used to get high with. You know, when I first got clean, I had to really take a step back and I had to spend a lot of time, um, away from, you know, people that I used to, used to party with and, and get high with, get drunk with. And even to this day, there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of friends of mine that I used to party with who I can't really hang out with them at, anymore. You know, I try to limit myself to, you know, if I'm going to be hanging out with people who I used to party with, try to limit it to like going out for dinner. Lately, I've been going out to uh, concert venues and shows and clubs only when a good friend of mine is doing a live set, right? Doing a live show. Um, I got a really good buddy of mine who's a, who's a DJ, right? He does house music. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go out to a club if he's doing a live set there. Uh, but a big thing for me is in those situations, I'll only go if I have a friend who's also in recovery who I know is going to be clean and sober there, right? I try to, you know, only, only be in a situation where I know there's going to be alcohol. For one, if I know I'm there to see my friend, you know, perform his live set, be there to support him, show out for him. You know, that for me is the focus. You know, the focus isn't on going to the club to party and, and get fucked up. And then also by making sure I have someone else there who is also going to be sober and clean. It just, it really, really helps to keep me grounded. Um, and it's a rare thing. I've done it. Let's see. I've probably gone out three times. Um, all, and in all those situations, my buddy was doing a live set. Um so, you know, for me, this this kind of brings me right into my next uh, talking point here, which is, you know, it's very important for me to know how to avoid my triggers, right? If I know being around drugs and alcohol is going to trigger me, it's going to make me get cravings of using drugs and alcohol. I need to do everything in my power to avoid situations where there's going to be drugs and alcohol, right? It's as simple as that, but... You know, no matter how simple something can seem, doesn't mean it's very easy, right? It's simple to avoid places with drugs and alcohol, but, you know, sometimes I'll be going out with friends and next thing I know, they'll all be drinking and, you know, maybe I wasn't expecting it, but I have to realize, you know, I need to avoid this. So maybe it's time for me to get out of there. 
Um, so avoiding triggers for me, it really goes into the thing, you know, when I, the idea or the concept, when I first got clean, everyone was telling me, you know, you need to switch up your people, places and things, right? People, places and things kept hearing that over and over and over. Um, and for me, the people was, it was the hardest part. You know, I have some great friends of mine who, you know, I used to party with all the time and they're great, great guys. They're super supportive of my recovery. You know, I know they want what's best for me. And, you know, if I go out to dinner with them, they'll, they'll ask me like, Hey, is it okay if I have a beer? Um, and a lot of them just won't ever drink around me. And that's, and that's amazing. Right. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, but you know, then I also have some friends where, you know, I'll be in my hometown visiting or, you know, I have some old friends from college too, who, you know, ask me to link up like, Hey man, like come through and, you know, I know what's going on over there. So it's, that's, those are the situations that I got to be mindful of to avoid. Um, and the, the best thing for me to think of is so a piece of advice that was given to me that was super helpful, right? Is just because I've gotten clean and sober, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't um, justify me to expect all my other friends to not drink or use drugs anytime I'm around, right? If I want to hang out with my friends and I tell them, hey, man, look, I'd love to hang out with you, but that means you can't be high, you can't drink. Um, so let's, let's go hang out and do something and, you know, don't drink, don't get high, don't do drugs. You know, if they don't want to hang out and hang out clean and sober, you know, it's not up to me to force that on anyone else. Right. And it's all right for me to have friends who still get high and drunk, but I can't hang out with them when they're getting high and drunk. And that's what it is. Right. And people grow up, people change, friendships change. Um, and it was a really hard thing for me to kind of get through my head, right? It's because when I first got clean, man, I didn't want to lose any friendships. And I was so worried about losing friendships because I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, hanging out and partying with, with my friends anymore. And, and even being in party type situations where people are drinking and, and using drugs, you know, avoiding those situations unfortunately it has meant that i haven't seen a lot of my friends as much as i used to um and the reality is i need to be okay with that because my true friends know that and they understand that the reason i'm not going out with them all the time every weekend to the bars or the clubs you know they know it's because i'm living a different lifestyle and they support it and they congratulate me and they want what's best for me um, and friends of mine who can't really grasp that or can't really understand it, you know, that's all right too. Um, it doesn't mean that I have to, you know, push myself to maintain relationships or friendships when I know the, the basis of a lot of my friendships used to be centered around drugs and alcohol. Um, and my closest friends, I can tell today what friendships were not based around that. And what friendships were. Um, and I'm so unbelievably grateful to say that the majority of my closest friends today, you know, I have seen above and beyond how much those friendships have meant to me um, because, you know, I can still hang out with guys, go out for dinner with guys, and they'll, you know, want to spend time with me even if we're not using drugs and, and getting drunk and getting high and, and partying. Um, so, you know, it's it's been really helpful for me to kind of learn that, you know, for one, it's okay, right? It's okay to let people go. It's okay to grow apart from people. 
it's life, right? Relationships do change. Um, they may not always change for the better, um, but I know today that the relationships I have in my life are supportive of my recovery. And that's the most important thing for me to keep my focus on. Um, so in terms of how to avoid triggers, the best thing for me to do that I've learned is if, first off, if I know it's a situation where there's going to be alcohol, the first thing I want to consider is do I feel obligated to go? Is there a reason for me to go? Or what's the focus of the situation going to be, right? Is the focus going to be, you know, catching up with old friends, reuniting with old friends, and, you know, maybe a couple of them are going to have a couple beers. If that's the situation, then I know that, you know, while it may get triggering and I may have to leave, um, you know, I'm, I'll be fully aware of that. Um, and it's, you know, that'll be a situation that I might, you know, might feel okay with going to as long as I have someone else there who's also in recovery. Um, but if it's, if it's a situation where I know the focus is going to be on getting fucked up, those are situations that I just personally, I avoid them entirely. Um, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter if I haven't seen someone in a really long time and, you know, we used to be super close and I want to catch up with them. If I know the situation is going to be focused on partying, I'm avoiding that situation. I have no business. <laughs> Today, I just have no business um, being in any sort of situation where drugs and alcohol is the focus. Um, and so for me, learning that, acknowledging that and, you know, learning how to avoid it. Um, you know, a tip, a tip that was given to me is kind of, um, you know, kind of have something in my back pocket to, you know, avoid feeling or uh, getting pressured, right? If someone is like, hey, man, it's, you know, it's going to be all right. We're just, we're going to be drinking and smoking a little, um, but you could come through though. We won't, you know, we won't be doing anything crazy like our drugs. We're just going to, you know, have a little kickback. It'll, it'll be chill. It's helpful to me to have an alternative or something to, you know, kind of end the end the conversation before, you know, someone starts getting pushy, right? So, and a good example of this is, you know, when I, when I visit my hometown, I try to, you know, do my best to have a plan for, you know, if I'm visiting over the weekend, you know, I'll do my best to have a plan for what I'm going to be doing Saturday and Sunday. Um, and I always try to, you know, tell friends who want to catch up and, and, you know, hang out and revisit like, Hey man, I'd love to grab dinner or you could totally come over to my parents' house. You know, we're going to, going to be having dinner. You're more than welcome to come over. Um, and, uh, you know, throughout the day I tried to have stuff planned with my family and my girlfriend. So I know that if a friend of mine hits me up and it's like, Hey, I know you're in town. What are you doing right now? We're all hanging out over here. We're you know, we're just chilling, man, come link. Um, you know, it's very, very tempting for me to just be like, you know what? Yeah, I don't have anything going on. Sure, I'd love to come over. Full well knowing that they're most likely going to be at least smoking, right? And, uh, you know, being around weed is for sure, it's a big trigger for me. So the best way for me to avoid those type of awkward conversations with, with old friends is to have that alternative, right? Be able to say like, hey, man, it's like, Sorry, I can't hang, hang out during the day. Um, you know, I have these plans with my family and spending time visiting them. But, you know, I'd love to meet up. We can go out for dinner because um, I know if we're in a restaurant, chances are they're not going to be sparking up right in the middle of the restaurant. Um, or, you know, I'll invite them to come over and, and hang out at my parents' house, right? Because I know they won't, you know, bring drugs and alcohol over to my parents. 
Um, so that's that was a good piece of advice that was given to me is, you know, when when I have nothing going on and someone who I know still drinks and smokes is asking me to hang out, um, you know, if, if, if I can have something to say like, oh, I'm actually doing this right now, it just makes those conversations a little bit easier. Um, but also, you know, my friends who really get it, I have no issue with just saying to them like, you know what, man? No, sorry. I don't want to come out and hang out because I know you're smoking weed. Um, and, and they'll understand that and it'll be okay. Um, but it's, it is important to be able to know, you know, like that I have these tools in my back pocket to avoid situations where I'm going to be triggered. Um, also it helps me to, to, um, you know, kind of to avoid, uh, like even, even just thinking about it, right? Because if I really have nothing else going on and someone is asking me to come over and hang out and I know they're going to be smoking, you know, if I don't have anything going on, you know, then I'm more likely to think about like, damn, you know, it'd be nice to see them, get to get to talk with them and catch up. Um, but, you know, maybe I don't, you know, maybe I'll be all right if, if they're just smoking a little weed over there. But yeah, so also, you know, triggers just aren't, uh, you know, being around substances. It's probably my number one trigger, um, but that's a very obvious one. So some other ones um, that can be even harder to avoid is places sometimes and a big one for me is going back to college park back in cp just even being in college park sometimes it can be triggering for me right because everywhere i look i'm just getting flashbacks from my times at uh university of maryland and and you know all the parties and stuff so you know i do tend to you know, try to avoid College Park as much as possible. Um, and, and, you know, there's places in my hometown that I got to try and avoid too. Because um, places alone can be triggering. Um, so, and, and the best way to avoid those is to just avoid them, right? Unless I have an actual reason to be going somewhere. You know, I don't have any business going to College Park just to hang out, right? Unless I'm going out for dinner with with friends unless i'm going to visit my little brother and take him out for dinner i don't really have any business being around college park anymore um and it's okay and it's actually a good thing um but it's something that i definitely you know i've definitely come to learn that throughout uh throughout my recovery um and you know places can even be uh bars and clubs too um you know for me i don't have any business being at a bar right um i'll go to a bar if it's like a grill a pub and a grill where there's also food i'll be in a bar to have dinner um but you know i have no business being in a bar past like 9 30 p.m um right that's my cue to leave right when the food is no longer being served you know that's my cue to leave um and really when it comes down to it right the importance of avoiding triggers is if I, if I can avoid reminders that will cause me to crave drugs and alcohol, it's the best thing for me to do, right? If I can avoid anything that is going to cause me to have thoughts of using substances, thoughts of using substances while they're natural and they do occur, you know, if I can limit those as much as possible, it's going to be the best thing for me and for my recovery. Um, and this kind of goes right into the next, um, the next piece is, you know, what to do when faced with your triggers. Um, the best thing for me to do when I'm faced with my triggers that are, you know, external and physical, best thing for me to do is, is leave, you know, get out of the situation. 
I try to always drive myself places or I try to always know how I'm going to leave, right? I don't want to depend on someone else for a ride, um, you know, when I'm ready to leave, when I'm feeling triggered, that's when it is my cue to leave. So going back into, you know, the kind of idea of what to do when faced with your triggers. Um, you know, for me, a couple tools, um, kind of like tips and advice that has been given to me is to, you know, the number one thing is to just play the tape all the way through, right? And and acknowledge and, and accept the fact that it's okay to get triggered. It happens. And just because you're faced with the trigger doesn't mean you have to act on it, right? I used to just always act on impulse. I used to always act on compulsion, and for me, those were, you know, that was a big defining thing of my active addiction, right? I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Didn't really think about it. You know, I just acted based on impulse. Um, and that's really kind of what a trigger is, right? You know, it triggers, you know, it causes feelings of, uh, of impulse. Um, and, you know, the best thing to do that that was given to me is, is to play the tape all the way through, you know, try and think about what it really would mean if I were to act upon the cravings that are brought about from being faced with the trigger. You know, if I get high now, you know, I'm sure it may feel nice, may feel euphoric, you know, I may, you know, have a cool experience. Um, but what's what's it going to really feel like after, right? Like, what's it going to feel like after I come down? How am I going to feel tomorrow? What is my life going to look like over the next few days, weeks, months, if I am to act upon my trigger? You know, what did it look like for me at the end of my road, at the end of my active addiction? Because that is where using substances will lead me to every single time, no matter what I do, no matter what I try to do. So to be able to play that tape all the way through, it's a great thing for me to do whenever I'm faced with the trigger. Another thing um, that I've learned is if I'm ever in a situation or anything comes up that is causing me to get triggered, a great kind of uh, tool or trick for me to, to do when I'm faced with my triggers is really just try to ground myself, right? Try to do whatever I can to uh, like process the thoughts, accept the thoughts for what they are, and just let them go. Um, and a lot of times what helps me with this is just focusing on my breathing or picking up the phone, calling someone else in recovery, and talking things through, right? Getting honest about it. Just calling up one of my friends and saying, hey man, look, here's the situation. This is what just happened. And I kind of feel like using right now. You know, I just got triggered big time. And, you know, I don't want to act on these feelings. Um, but these feelings are definitely real. You know, they exist. I got to process them. Just help me talk through it. Um, and almost every time I call another recovering addict, it's always, you know, they always say very similar things, you know, it, you know, it's the same stuff that I was just saying, right? Like, what's it going to look like if you actually do act upon these cravings brought about by the trigger? Um, and another grounding technique for me um, that I was taught is, you know, try to take my mind off it by really just focusing in on my senses, right? What are five things I can see? What are five things I can hear? What are five things I can smell? What can I do to kind of alleviate my sense, um, you know, alleviate my my feelings or or process the thoughts, um, right? Kind of get them out of my head, um, you know, and, and just kind of try to move forward, 
um, and really work through, you know, telling myself like just because I think or feel a certain way doesn't mean I have to act on those thoughts or feelings. You know, I know what it is that I want in my life today. And for me, using substances is only going to take me in the opposite direction of the goals that I've set out for myself today. Um, and that's another big tool for me is is to think like, okay, like, sure, I may be having these thoughts, I may be having this craving, you know, and I can blame it on whatever I want to blame it on, whatever it's associated with. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, if I am to act on those thoughts, there's no way that I'm going to be getting closer towards what it is I want for my life. Um, if anything, I'm going to be going the wrong direction, the opposite direction. And if not that totally opposite direction, I'm just going to be wasting my time, right? For me, substances are not going to bring any sort of benefit to my life. Um, so for me, it always helps to kind of remind myself of that anytime I am faced with the trigger. Um, and it's really important to, you know, be able to acknowledge triggers. You know, they're natural. They're okay. There's nothing wrong with me if something happens, right? Like I hear a song and it reminds me of a, of a you know, time that I was partying or a time that I was getting high. And then I feel triggered and I want to use, right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, everything I've been doing in my recovery is for nothing, you know, it's not an instant, you know, it's, it's not like I'm no longer an addict, right? Like just because I've been clean and sober for over two years, just because, you know, all the stuff that I have in my life today, right? It doesn't mean I'm still, you know, no longer a drug addict, right? It's okay for me to have memories. It's okay for me to have feelings. It's okay for me to want to use every once in a while. But I know that just because of that, you know, what's not okay for me is to act, on any of those or to you know play out a fantasy any longer than I than I need to really and actually I don't need to play out any fantasy at all um, so that's when I kind of kind of draw the line and then able you know I'm able to take a step back and, and kind of acknowledge like okay look like I had this thought you know I have these feelings it's okay you know it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me it doesn't mean that I'm failing as you know someone in recovery um, but I need to be able to let it go you know I need to be able to re realign myself with what it is I want realign myself with my recovery and move forward with my best foot forward um, so it's really important for me to go about it this way rather than just push it push it aside and ignore it um, and what I mean by that is right if I'm in a situation where people are drinking and I start feeling triggered if I'm just to ignore those feelings and keep going about things like nothing's wrong. That's when, you know, over time, I'll become much more likely to then act on those feelings, right? If I keep pushing them inside, keep telling myself like, no, it's no issue. I'm totally fine. I'm not triggered at all. Basically, if I'm not able to get honest with myself and with other people and know, you know, and, and take that step back. And be able to say like, hey, okay, I'm actually getting triggered here. I need to do something about this. I need to acknowledge these thoughts. Um, you know, the biggest difference is by just ignoring stuff. That's how it just builds and builds and builds. And then next thing you know, one day I might be saying, oh, it's okay for me to actually have a beer. It's okay for me to have a drink. I've been around it for so long that, you know, it's no longer triggering for me. So maybe I can have a drink and be fine. Um, and, and that's what I mean when I say like, you know, 
really acknowledging stuff. There's a big difference between acknowledging something, accepting the thoughts, and then let him go. But, you know, there's a huge difference between that and just ignoring them and pushing them away without even, you know, telling myself like, oh, yeah, I need to be mindful of this. Best piece of advice that was given to me is be able to, you know, acknowledge when I feel like using and if it's because of uh, external situation, then that's when it's time for me to leave. Um, and so knowing that, you know, it's also allowed me to be able to help others get through their tr their triggers. Um, and I, the best way to be to do this really is speaking from, you know, my own personal experience, because um, I've always found that it's the best the best things for me to hear is personal experiences that I can then relate to. And even if I can't relate to the experience, I can almost always relate to the feelings. So I've found that the best way to help other people when they're in a triggering situation is to really just explain to them like, hey, man, like I've been there before. I know what that feels like. Here's the story about a similar situation that I had to go through. This is what I did to get out of it. I knew when to leave. I acknowledged the feelings and I knew that I didn't have to act on them. Um, and that's, to me, that has really been the best way to really help people get through it. Um, and then lastly, I really wanted to touch on the fact that, you know, it's important to be able to realize that new triggers will come about. Um, you know, stuff that really didn't trigger me in the past may trigger me today. Um, and it's really it and it goes for me, it goes beyond like just uh, drugs and alcohol and substances. Um, now with my whole, you know, I'm trying to maintain a healthy diet, maintain a healthy lifestyle. Um, and a big trigger for me has been uh, sweets, right? Like cakes. I was in Starbucks the other day getting a coffee and I saw these Rice Krispies on the counter. Um, and I was just like, damn, like I would love to have a Rice Krispie. Um, and you know, a lot of times lately I've been just acting on those impulses, not even realizing that those situations are triggers as well. Um, so it's important to realize that, you know, recovery is always going to be an ongoing process of self-improvement, right? Just because I get over one hurdle doesn't mean there's going to be another hurdle for me to get over. Um, and another thing that I'm going to have to be aware of and be able to acknowledge when it triggers me. Um, but yeah, so I feel like that's a great way to wrap up this week's episode. Um, and I really want to give a huge uh, shout out to my guy Groff, actually, for always tuning in, man. I always really appreciate it, bro. And I appreciate the feedback as well. So I want to give a big thanks to everyone who tuned in this week. And I'll see you guys all next Sunday.